Take your Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. We're going to focus just a few moments on a phrase that's there. I see uh, some of you did make it from the Tech basketball game. I'm proud of you. You made it over there and made it back, and, uh, and you saw a victory, right? It's a good day. Better day than Friday, wouldn't you say? Speaking of Friday, I text our minister of missions who will be here about Thursday or Friday, I think, in town with his family. Pray for them as they make their moves. Sunday will be the first Sunday they're here with us. And I just texted him and I said, you best refrain from any type of social media comment regarding the Southern Miss Golden Eagles because you want to start off on the right footing. Listen to your pastor. <laughs> he said, yes, sir. That's a good thing. But uh, pray for them as they get ready to um, move down and, and be a part of what's going on here at Temple. And, uh, of course, next week's going to be a great week for us as we come together. I hope that you'll be praying for that. Looking forward to Sunday morning as we come and are challenged uh, toward the international work that God has called us to and toward uh, giving to that. So uh, just, uh, just pray for this, this week and that God would do something special among us next Sunday morning as we come together. Well, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, again, I just want to do a little something different tonight, share with you for just a few minutes. I told Leslie it wouldn't be as long tonight. She says, I never tell the truth when it comes to those kinds of things. But uh, just want to share something for you to think about, okay? There, Paul is writing, and he makes this statement. He actually uses this phrase. He says something like this. He says, but when the fullness of the time had come... God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Now, as we pivot, in a sense, from Thanksgiving season to this Christmas season, it is interesting to me to just think for a moment about Paul's phrase, the fullness of time. I mean, here he says, he says very specifically, when the fullness of the time had come, in other words, when everything was just right, when God's will determined that this was the time, God himself sent forth his son. So this was not by accident. It was rather by intention, by purpose, by design, that it was this moment in history that Jesus Christ would come upon the scene that he would be born here on this earth and he would begin his ministry. Now think about it in a moment. Why was this the time? Now there are all kinds of suggestions you could make, but let me just tell you, if you're sitting in a New Testament class, there are going to be certain elements of the background of the New Testament that are going to remind you why this was the time. There are going to be certain things you would have to know in order to pass the little question on the test. Why was this the fullness of time. Why was just this the right time? And I want to give you just a few of those tonight. Not a whole lot of them, but just a few of them for you to think about why this was the right time. You see, God had been working, hadn't he? In just a couple, three weeks, I'm going to go back to Genesis 3, and I'm going to talk about that, that passage we looked at this morning about how God, in the very beginning, had said that the seed of the woman would bruise his heel, would, he, his heel would bruise 
the head of the serpent, that he was going to show his ultimate triumph. Even in the creation account, God knew what he was going to do, right? By sending his son. He had a plan the whole time. He was purposeful. And through all of the Old Testament, he had been working in his own way. You know, when you close the Old Testament with Malachi, when you, when you close it with the book of Malachi, and you look to the New Testament, you notice that world, the world is different, isn't it? I mean, it's just totally, the Old Testament world, the New Testament world, just different. What had happened? What had occurred? Some of the events that occurred in those 400 years, we call them the 400 silent years. Some of those events, I think, had helped precipitate the coming of Jesus. And when you close the Old Testament, who's in charge, basically? The Medo-Persians, right? The Persians, they had come upon the scene, thankfully, because of the, the work of God in the Persians' life. The, the people of Israel, many of them had gone back to the land, although some had been dispersed and had spread around. There, the Persians were in charge. What, how did God use them? Because God did. I mean, certainly God used them to deliver the people of Israel and allow many of them to go back, as I said. But in what way? How did God prepare the world even through the Persians? Well, as God had spread his people out, remember, many of them were taken to Babylon. And when you get to the New Testament, you'll find out the Jews are dispersed everywhere. I mean, when Paul goes into these different cities, he'll find a community of Jewish people. Now, if the community had at least 10 men who were Jewish, they had to do what? Build a synagogue. And the synagogues basically developed during that Babylonian Persian period. Basically developed there. So think about this. You've got the dispersed Jews all around the world. They're in these different cities. They, are, they have these meeting places called the synagogues. This made a great, a great opportunity. It gave a great strategy to Paul as he was able to take the good news of Jesus Christ. I mean, it was just incredible. He, he went into these different communities, and what did Paul do? He went to the synagogue. He found the individuals that were of similar faith or had some type of background in the Old Testament so that he could preach. They had the common ground. God had used that moment of dispersion to actually prepare the time for Jesus to come so that the message could be shared. You know what else the Persians did? They developed the first postal system. You didn't know that, did you? You thought it was Ben Franklin. The Persians developed the, the first real postal system. Now, the Romans perfected it. The Romans were good at, at perfecting what other people had invented, by the way. Some of you who are history teachers, you know that very well. But they perfected it. Why was it important to have a postal system in the New Testament? Well, have you noticed several of our New Testament books were like letters. Now, some of them were carried certainly by certain people. But there was this idea of being able to write letters and send letters and having a postal system. Persians gave us that. Well, after Persia had basically been defeated, you remember who stepped into the scene? The Greeks. This forgotten name 
Alexander the Great, came through and basically spread the Greek empire throughout the known world. He introduced the Hellenistic culture, which brought the Greek culture. But most importantly, perhaps, he introduced the Greek language, the Greek language to the people of the world. It was called Koine Greek, which meant common Greek. It was basically the common Greek. It was the common language of people. Now, that was important. Why was that important? Because if the gospel is going to go out, you want to be able to speak the same language as other people. There was a common language. For, for the most part, Hebrew itself was not spoken among the Jewish people. They would speak some type of Greek. The New Testament is written in what? Greek. Isn't that interesting that there's a shift between the old of the Hebrew and the Aramaic, and now in the New Testament you have the Greek? It's a common language. So you could go out and you could speak to people. At least if you were, gonna, if you were going to have some type of business dealings, commercial dealings, you had to know Greek. It's kind of like in the world today. Most people across this world, if they're involved in any kind of commercial or business type of uh, scenario, they probably know a little bit of English. I had a CEO down in Baton Rouge tell me one time, he said, you know what you call a person that speaks three languages? I said, what, trilingual? He said, yeah, something like that. He said, you know what, you call somebody that speaks two languages? I said, bilingual, that's easy. He said, you know what you call somebody that speaks one language? I said, monolingual? He said, no, we just call them Americans. Most of the rest of the world... They, they know at least a little bit of English, it's at least if they're involved in commercial, because there's a common type of thread. You've got to do business. In the New Testament, you had a common language so that the Word of God could be written in a common tongue that people could read, could understand, they could hear the message introduced by Alexander the Great to all of the world, the Greeks. Hmm. Well, you know, for Israel, after Alexander the Great, they came under the influence of the generals of Alexander, first the Egyptian general and then the uh, Syrian general. And then for a brief time, they had independence in Israel, just for a very brief time, thanks to the Maccabee family. And then who came upon the scene? The Romans. And when you look at the New Testament, it is a Roman world. It's a Roman world. But the Romans actually gave something too. They contributed a lot. Specifically, they contributed peace. Go back and study your history. You'll see that there's only been a couple of times of such extended peace in all of world history. One, the Roman peace. Pax Romano. The Roman peace. Security. Why was it important to have Security. Well, you know, Paul and a lot of these missionaries, they traveled. And they traveled in different places. And isn't it easier to travel when you have some safety, some security? They could travel. They could take the message of Christ. They could take it, and, and, and boy, did they. Wow. Again, looking at where they trekked across the empire, it is amazing to see 
And they went thanks to the safety that was provided by the Romans. And they also went thanks to the roads that were provided by the Romans. I mean, the roads, tremendous, right? I got a few engineers that are here. And you probably did some study. Roman engineering, amazing. Even to this day, certain roads that hold up. We can't even get that in Louisiana. But hundreds of years, their roads have helped. Roads were there so that they could travel. So they could travel and they could travel safely thanks to the Romans. And certainly, you see this influx of people into the cities into the cities during this time and it had been basically an agrarian world but during the roman period romans introduced much of the city life thanks to the greeks and as well they came in and these huge cities so you see paul going to the cities he goes in like i said to the synagogues and he begins his ministry in those areas i'm always struck by this because most of you know that our North American Mission Board today has an emphasis upon the cities of North America. Send cities, they call them. I like it because it seems biblical to me. Now, it doesn't mean that you write off the rest of the country, the rural areas of the country. It doesn't mean that at all. It simply means if you want to get the message out and you want to get it to the most, go to the cities because there you have the most people that you can preach to, you can share with. I give you these things, this little bit of background, just to say again, God knew what he was doing. And God had been progressively working this whole time. They may have been 400 silent years, but you don't miss this point. God was working. God knew exactly what he was doing and God was preparing for the coming of his son so that when his son came upon the scene and the announcement was made by the angel and then for Jesus to live that life of ministry and teach with such authority and then to die and to be resurrected, that message could go out thanks to the foundation that God the Father had, well, the foundation he had made. Through all those years, God knew what he was doing and he was preparing for this purpose and this plan. I also like to review these facts and look at them because it reminds me again that our God, well, he's on the throne. And it doesn't matter which nation or nations believe that they are the imminent powers of the moment doesn't matter because our God rules over all and whether they're the Persians or they're the Greeks or they're the Romans our God well he just used all of them for his purpose and his plan that gives me tremendous hope and faith knowing that the same God who sent Jesus Christ in such a time in such for such a work is the same God now who works in us and who is continually working, preparing. This is good. Preparing for the second coming. And no nation, no nation, 
No ruler will deprive God of this privilege of calling home his church and demonstrating his rule over all. No one will. Because that same God is still working. And as I look around me, sometimes it seems like certain nations can be doing this. Hey, I trust that my God who sits upon the throne is the God who can use even the pagan rulers and pagan nations to fulfill his will and to usher in the coming of his son. There is no doubt in my mind because just as God sent his son in the fullness of the time, so our God will send his son once again in the fullness of the time. According to his will, according to his plan, according to his purpose. He sent his son in the fullness of time. May we give thanks to him for that. May we celebrate him. May we look forward to his continued work in our lives. Let's pray together. Father, we do praise you for being the one that is above all others. God, we believe, we trust tonight that you did send Jesus right according to your will, your purpose, your plan, at the right moment, at the right time. And Father, because of that today, all nations can know you intimately. They can know your salvation. And God, we do pray tonight that we would make your name known Lord, across this nation, across this globe, that your name would be glorified. We pray specifically this week for those who are serving internationally. God, I pray that you'd provide the physical needs, the emotional, the spiritual needs of our brothers and sisters who are overseas right now. God, that you'll touch their hearts and that you'll empower them and that you'll let them know that they have a family of believers here that is lifting them up. God, tonight, we thank you that we look forward to your second coming now. And we believe, we trust you that you'll work in your own time, in your own way to send your one and only son once again, but this time, Lord, not as the lamb of sacrifice, but as the lion who will come to conquer and demonstrate his rule over all. God, I pray that we'd be faithful until then to exalt your name, to serve you, to be your people. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.